story twenty seven of romance of california life by john haberton this librivox recording is in the public domain story twenty seven mr putchett's love just after two o'clock on a july afternoon mr putchett mounted several steps of the sub-treasury in wall street and gazed inquiringly up and down the street to the sentimental observer mr putchett's action in taking the position we have indicated may have seemed to signify that mr putchett was of an aspiring disposition and that in ascending the steps he exemplified his desire to get above the curbstone whose name was used as a qualifying adjective whenever mr putchett was mentioned as a broker those persons however who enjoyed the honour of mr putchett's acquaintance immediately understood that the operator in question was in funds that day and that he had taken the position from which he could most easily announce his moneyed condition to all who might desire assistance from him it was rather late in the day for business and certain persons who had until that hour been unsuccessful in obtaining the accommodations desired were not at all particular whether their demands were satisfied in a handsome office or under the only roof that can be enjoyed free of rent there came to mr putchett oddly clothed members of his own profession and offered for sale securities whose numbers mr putchett compared with those on a list of bonds stolen men who deposited with him small articles of personal property principally jewellery as collaterals on small loans at short time and usurious rates men who stood before him on the sidewalk caught his eye summoned him by a slight motion of the head and disappeared around the corner whither mr putchett followed them only to promptly transact business and hurry back to his business stand in fact mr putchett was very busy as in his case business invariably indicated profit it was not wonderful that his rather unattractive face lightened and expressed its owner's satisfaction at the amount of business he was doing suddenly however there attacked mr putchett the fate which in its peculiarity of visiting people in their happiest hours has been bemoaned by poets of genuine and doubtful inspiration from the days of the sweet singer of israel unto those of that sweet singer of aaron whose recital of experience with young gazelles illustrates the remorselessness of the fate alluded to plainly speaking mr putchett went suddenly under a cloud for during one of his dashes around the corner after a man who had signalled him and at the same time commenced to remove a ring from his finger a small dirty boy handed mr putchett a soiled card on which was pencilled bailey is after you about that diamond despite the fact that mr putchett had not been shaved for some days and had apparently neglected the duty of facial ablution for quite as long a time he turned pale and looked quickly behind him and across the street then muttering just my luck and a few other words more desponding than polite in nature he hurried to the post office where he penciled and dispatched a few postal cards signed in initials only announcing an unexpected and temporary absence then still looking carefully and often at the faces in sight he entered a newspaper office and consulted a railway directory 
he seemed in doubt as he rapidly turned the leaves and when he reached the timetable of a certain road running near and parallel to the seaside the change in his countenance indicated that he had learned the whereabouts of a city of refuge an hour later mr putchett having to bid no family good-bye to care for no securities save those stowed away in his capacious pockets and freed from the annoyance of baggage by reason of the fact that he had on his back the only outer garments that he owned was rapidly leaving new york on a train which he had carefully assured himself did not carry the dreaded bailey once fairly started mr putchett in some measure recovered his spirits he introduced himself to a brakeman by means of a cigar and questioned him until he satisfied himself that the place to which he had purchased a ticket was indeed unknown to the world being far from the city several miles from the railroad and on a beach where boats could not safely land he also learned that it was not a fashionable summer resort and that a few farmhouses whose occupants took summer boarders and an unsuccessful hotel were the only buildings in the place arrived at his destination mr putchett registered at the hotel and paid the week's board which the landlord after a critical survey of his new patron demanded in advance then the exiled operator tilted a chair in the bar-room lit an execrable cigar and instead of expressing sentiments of gratitude appropriate to the occasion gave way to profane condemnations of the bad fortune which had compelled him to abandon his business he hungrily examined the faces of the few fishermen of the neighbouring bay who came in to drink and smoke but no one of them seemed likely to need money certainly no one of them seemed to have acceptable collaterals about his person or clothing on the contrary these men while each one threw mr putchett a stare of greater or less magnitude let the financier alone so completely that he was conscious of a severe wound in his self-esteem it was a strange experience and at first it angered him so that he strode up to the bar ordered a glass of best brandy and defiantly drank alone but neither the strength of the liquor nor the intensity of his anger prevented him from soon feeling decidedly lonely at the cheap hotel at which he lodged when in new york there was no one who loved him or even feared him but there were a few men of his own kind who had for purposes of mutual recreation tabooed business transactions with each other and among these he found a grim sort of enjoyment of companionship at least here however he was so utterly alone as to be almost frightened and the murmuring and moaning of the surf on the beach near the hotel added to his loneliness a sense of terror almost overcome by dismal forebodings mr putchett hurried out of the hotel and toward the beach once upon the sands he felt better the few people who were there were strangers of course but they were women and children and if the expression of those who noticed him was wondering it was inoffensive at times even pitying and mr putchett was in a humour to gratefully accept even pity 
soon the sun fell and the people straggled toward their respective boarding-houses and mr putchett to fight off loneliness as long as possible rose from the bench on which he had been sitting and followed the party up the beach he had supposed himself the last person that left the beach but in a moment or two he heard a childish voice shouting mister mister i guess you've lost something mr putchett turned quickly and saw a little girl six or seven years of age running toward him in one hand she held a small pail and wooden shovel and in the other something bright which was too large for her little hand to cover she reached the broker's side turned up a bright healthy face opened her hand and displayed a watch and said it was right there on the bench where you were sitting i couldn't think what it was it shone so mr putchett at first looked suspiciously at the child for he had at one period of his life laboured industriously in the business of dropping bogus pocket-books and watches and obtaining rewards from persons claiming to be their owners examining the watch which the child handed him however he recognised it as one upon which he had lent twenty dollars earlier in the day first prudently replacing the watch in the pocket of his pantaloons so as to avoid any complication while settling with the finder he handed the child a quarter oh no thank you said she hastily mamma gives me money whenever i need it the experienced operator immediately placed the fractional currency where it might not tempt the child to change her mind then he studied her face with considerable curiosity and asked do you live here oh no she replied we're only spending the summer here we live in new york mr putchett opened his eyes whistled and remarked it's very funny why i don't think so said the child very innocently lots of people that board here come from new york don't you want to see my well i dug the deepest well of anybody to-day just come and see it's only a few steps from here mechanically as one straggling with a problem above his comprehension the financier followed the child and gazed into a hole perhaps a foot and a half deep on the beach that's my well said she and the one next is frank's nelly's is way up there i guess hers would have been the biggest but a wave came up and spoiled it mr putchett looked from the well into the face of its little digger and was suddenly conscious of an insane desire to drink some of the water he took the child's pail dipped some water and was carrying it to his lips when the child spoiled what was probably the first sentimental feeling of mr putchett's life by hastily exclaiming you mustn't drink that it's salty the sentimentalist sorrowfully put the bitter draught away and the child rattled on if you're down here to-morrow i'll show you where we find scallop shells maybe you can find some with pink and yellow spots on them i've got some if you don't find any i'll give you one thank you said her companion just then someone shouted alice and the child exclaiming mamma's calling me good-bye hurried away while the broker walked slowly toward the hotel with an expression of countenance which would have hidden him from his oldest acquaintance mr putchett spent the evening on the piazza instead of in the bar-room and he neither smoked nor drank before retiring he contracted with the colored cook to shave him in the morning and to black his boots 
and he visited the single store of the neighborhood and purchased a shirt some collars and a cravat while in the morning he was duly shaved dressed and brushed he critically surveyed himself in the glass and seemed quite dissatisfied he moved from the glass spread a newspaper on the table and put into it the contents of his capacious pockets a second examination before the glass seemed more satisfactory in result thus indicating that to the eye of mr putchett his well-stuffed pockets had been unsightly in effect the paper and its contents he gave the landlord to deposit in the hotel safe then he ate a hurried scanty breakfast and again sought the bench on the beach no one was in sight for it was scarcely breakfast time at the boarding-houses so he looked for little alice's well and mourned to find that the tide had not even left any sign of its location then he seated himself on the bench again contemplating his boots looked up the road stared out to sea and then looked up the road again tried to decipher some of the names carved on the bench walked backward and forward looking up the road at each turn he made and in every way indicated the unpleasant effect of hope deferred finally however after two hours of fruitless search mr putchett's eyes were rewarded by the sight of little alice approaching the beach with the bathing party he at first hurried forward to meet her but he was restrained by a sentiment found alike in curbstone brokers and in charming young ladies a feeling that it is not well to give oneself away without first being sufficiently solicited to do so he noticed with a mingled pleasure and uneasiness that little alice did not at first recognize him so greatly had his toilette altered his general appearance even after he made himself known he was compelled to submit to further delay for the party had come to the beach to bathe and little alice must bathe too she emerged from a bathing-house in a garb very odd to the eyes of mr putchett but one which did not at all change that gentleman's opinion of the wearer she ran into the water was thrown down by the surf she was swallowed by some big waves and dived through others and all the while the veteran operator watched her with a solicitude which despite his anxiety for her safety gave him a sensation as delightful as it was strange the bath ended alice rejoined mr putchett and conducted him to the spot where the wonderful shells with pink and yellow spots were found the new shell-seeker was disgusted when the child shouted come along to several other children and was correspondingly delighted when they said in substance that shells were not so attractive as once they were mr putchett's researches in conchology were not particularly successful for while he manfully moved about in the uncomfortable and ungraceful position peculiar to shell-seekers he looked rather at the healthy honest eager little face near him than at the beach itself suddenly however mr putchett's opinion of shells underwent a radical change for the child straightening herself and taking something from her pocket exclaimed oh dear somebody's picked up all the pretty ones i thought maybe there mightn't be any here so i brought you one just see what pretty pink and yellow spots there are on it mr putchett looked and there came into his face the first flush of colour that had been there except in anger 
for years he had occasionally received presents from business acquaintances but he had correctly looked on them as having been forwarded as investments so they awakened feelings of suspicion rather than of pleasure but at little alice's shell he looked long and earnestly and when he put it into his pocket he looked for two or three moments far away and yet at nothing in particular do you have a nice boarding-house asked alice as they sauntered along the beach stopping occasionally to pick up pebbles and to dig wells oh not very said mr putchett the sanded bar-room and his own rather dismal chamber coming to his mind you ought to board where we do said alice enthusiastically we have heaps of fun have you got a barn mr putchett confessed that he did not know oh we've got a splendid one exclaimed the child there's stalls and a granary and a carriage house and two lofts in it we put out hay to the horses and they eat it right out of our hands aren't afraid a bit then we get into the granary and bury ourselves all up in the oats so only our heads stick out the lofts are just lovely one's full of hay and the other's full of wheat and we chew the wheat and make gum of it the haystalks are real nice and sweet to chew too they only cut the hay last week and we all rode in on the wagon one two three four seven of us then we've got two croquet sets and the boys make us whistles and squawks squawks interrogated the broker yes they're split quills and you blow on them they don't make very pretty music but it's ever so funny we've got two big swings and a hammock too is the house very full asked mr putchett not so very replied the child if you come there to board i'll make frank teach you how to make whistles that afternoon mr putchett took the train for new york from which city he returned the next morning with quite a well-filled trunk it was afterwards stated by a person who had closely observed the capitalist movements during his trip that he had gone into a first-class clothiers and demanded suits of the best material and latest cut regardless of cost and that he had pursued the same singular course at a gent's furnishing store and a fashionable jeweller's certain it is that on the morning of mr putchett's return a gentleman very well dressed though seemingly ill at ease in his clothing called at mrs brown's boarding-house and engaged a room and that the younger ladies pronounced him very stylish and the older ones thought him very odd but as he never intruded spoke only when spoken to and devoted himself earnestly and entirely to the task of amusing the children the boarders all admitted that he was very good-hearted among alice's numerous confidences during her second stroll with mr putchett was information as to the date of her seventh birthday now very near at hand when the day arrived her adorer rose unusually early and spent an impatient hour or two awaiting alice's appearance as she bade him good morning he threw about her neck a chain to which was attached an exquisite little watch then while the delighted child was astonishing her parents and the other boarders mr putchett betook himself to the barn in a state of abject sheepishness he did not appear again until summoned by the breakfast bell and even then he sat with a very red face and with eyes directed at his plate only 
the child's mother remonstrated against so much money being squandered on a child and attempted to return the watch but he seemed so distressed at the idea that the lady dropped the subject for a fortnight mr putchett remained at the boarding-house and grew daily in the estimation of every one from being thought queer and strange he gradually gained the reputation of being the best-hearted most guileless most considerate man alive he was the faithful squire of all the ladies both young and old and was adored by all the children his conversational powers except on matters of business were not great but his very ignorance on all general topics and the humility born of that ignorance gave to his manners a deference which was more gratifying to most ladies than brilliant loquacity would have been he even helped little alice to study a sunday-school lesson and the experience was so entirely new to him that he became more deeply interested than the little learner herself he went to church on sunday and was probably the most attentive listener the rather prosy old pastor had of course he bathed everybody did a stout rope was stretched from a post on the shore to a buoy in deep water where it was anchored and back and forth on this rope capered every day twenty or thirty hideously dressed but very happy people among whom might always be seen mr putchett with a child on his shoulder one day the waves seemed to viciously break near the shore and the bathers all followed the rope out to where there were swells instead of breakers mr putchett was there of course with little alice he seemed perfectly enamoured of the water and delighted in venturing as far to the sea as the rope would allow and there ride on the swells and go through all other ridiculously happy antics peculiar to ocean lovers who cannot swim suddenly mr putchett's hand seemed to receive a shock and he felt himself sinking lower than usual while above the noise of the surf and the confusion of voices he heard someone roar the rope has broken scramble ashore the startled man pulled frantically at the piece of rope in his hand but found to his horror that it offered no assistance it was evident that the break was between him and the shore he kicked and paddled rapidly but seemed to make no headway and while alice realizing the danger commenced to cry piteously mr putchett plainly saw on the shore the child's mother in an apparent frenzy of excitement and terror the few men present most boarding-house keepers and also ex-sailors and fishermen hastened with a piece of the broken rope to drag down a fishing-boat which lay on the sand beyond reach of the tide meanwhile a boy found a fishing-line to the end of which a stone was fastened and thrown toward the imperiled couple mr putchett snatched at the line and caught it and in an instant half a dozen women pulled upon it only to have it break almost inside mr putchett's hands again it was thrown and again the frightened broker caught it this time he wound it about alice's arm put the end into her hand kissed her forehead and said good-bye little angel god bless you and threw up his hand as a signal that the line should be drawn in in less than a minute little alice was in her mother's arms but when the line was ready to be thrown again mr putchett was not visible 
by this time the boat was at the water's edge and four men two of whom were familiar with rowing sat at the oars while two of the old fishermen stood by to launch the boat at the proper instant suddenly they shot it into the water but the clumsy dip of an oar turned it broadside to the wave and in an instant it was thrown waterlogged upon the beach several precious moments were spent in righting the boat and bailing out the water after which the boat was safely launched the fishermen sprang to the oars and in a moment or two were abreast the buoy mr putchett was not to be seen even had he reached the buoy it could not have supported him for it was but a small stick of wood one of the boarders he who had swamped the boat dived several times and finally there came to the surface a confused mass of humanity which separated into the forms of the diver and the broker a few strokes of the oars beached the boat and old captain redding who had spent his winters at a government life-saving station picked up mr putchett carried him up the dry sand laid him face downward raised his head a little and shouted somebody stand between him and the sun so's to shade his head slap his hands one man to each hand scrape up some of that hot dry sand and pile it on his feet and legs everybody else stand off and give him air the captain's orders were promptly obeyed and there the women and children some of them weeping and all of them pale and silent stood in a group in front of the bathing-house and looked up somebody run to the hotel for brandy shouted the captain here's brandy said a strange voice and i've got a hundred dollars for you if you bring him to life everyone looked at the speaker and seemed rather to dislike what they saw he was a smart-looking man but his face seemed very cold and forbidding he stood apart with arms folded and seemed regardless of the looks fastened upon him finally mrs blough one of the most successful and irrepressible gossips in the neighbourhood approached him and asked him if he was a relative of mr putchett's no ma'am replied the man with unmoved countenance i'm an officer with a warrant for his arrest on suspicion of receiving stolen goods i've searched his traps at the hotel and boarding-house this morning but can't find what i'm looking for it's been traced to him though has he shown any of you ladies a large diamond no said mrs blough quite tartly and none of us would have believed it of him either i suppose not said the officer his face softening a little i've seen plenty of such cases before though besides it isn't my first call on putchett not by several mrs blough walked indignantly away but true to her nature she quickly repeated her news to her neighbours he's coming too shouted the captain turning mr putchett on his back and attempting to provoke respiration the officer was by his side in a moment mr putchett's eyes had closed naturally the captain said and his lips had moved suddenly the stranger laid a hand on the collar of the insensible man and disclosed a cord about his neck captain said the officer in a voice very low but hurried and trembling with excitement putchett's had a very narrow escape and i hate to trouble him but i must do my duty there's been a five thousand dollar diamond traced to him he advanced money on it knowing it was stolen i've searched his property and can't find it but i'll bet a thousand it's on that string around his neck that's putchett all over now you let me take it and i'll let him alone 
nobody else need know what's happened he seems to have behaved himself here judging by the good opinion folks have of him and he deserves to have a chance which he won't get if i take him to jail the women had comprehended from the look of the stranger and the captain that something unusual was going on and they had crowded nearer and nearer until they heard the officer's last words you're a dreadful hateful man exclaimed little alice the officer winced hush daughter said alice's mother and then she said let him take it captain it's too awful to think of a man's going right to prison from the gates of death the officer did not wait for further permission but hastily opened the bathing dress of the still insensible figure suddenly the officer started back with an oath and the people saw fastened to a string and lying over mr putchett's heart a small scallop shell variegated with pink and yellow spots it's one i gave him when i first came here because he couldn't find any sobbed little alice the officer seeming suddenly to imagine that the gem might be secreted in the hollow of the shell snatched at it and turned it over mr putchett's arm suddenly moved his hand grasped the shell and carried it toward his lips his eyes opened for a moment and fell upon the officer at the sight of whom mr putchett shivered and closed his eyes again that chills a bad sign muttered the captain mr putchett's eyes opened once more and sought little alice his face broke into a faint smile and she stooped and kissed him the smile on his face grew brighter for an instant then he closed his eyes and quietly carried the case up to a court of final appeals before which the officer showed no desire to give evidence mr putchett was buried the next day and most of the people in the neighbourhood were invited to the funeral the story went rapidly about the neighbourhood and in consequence there were present at the funeral a number of uninvited persons among these were the cook barkeeper and hostler of the hotel who stood uncomfortably a little way from the house until the procession started when they followed at a respectable distance in the rear when the grave was reached those who dug it who were also of those who carried the beer were surprised to find the bottom of the coffin-box strewn and hidden with wild flowers and scraps of evergreen the service of the church of england was read and as the words ashes to ashes dust to dust were repeated a bouquet of wild flowers was tossed over the heads of the mourners and into the grave mrs blough though deeply affected by the services looked quickly back to see who was the giver and saw the officer who had not been seen before that day with such an embarrassed countenance as to leave no room for doubt he left before daylight next morning to catch a very early train but persons passing the old graveyard that day beheld on putchett's grave a handsome bush of white roses which bush old mrs gale living near the hotel declared was a darling pot-plant which had been purchased of her on the previous evening by an ill-favoured man who declared he must have it no matter how much he paid for it End of story 27